Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. The book of Isaiah chapter 9 is a specific prophecy about the Messiah. Now, many of you are already quoting and thinking about the scripture that is so very common that we quote. We'll just hang on for a second. I'll get there. I'll get to the money scripture. But this is a prophetic message, a prophetic utterance of the wonderful things that the Messiah is going to bring, not just in saving in his birth and not just in the ministry that he's going to have here on earth, but for the millennial reign that he's going to bring, the glory and the presence and the, and the promise that he's brought to us. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2 starts out this way. It says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Folks, if you had your eyes open here this morning and you watched God move in this place, those of you and us and me that have walked in darkness have seen a great light. That they dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shine. Thank you, Jesus. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Oh my goodness, has he given us spoil. He's blessed us and so much that we've divided before him. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. That's a reference to the book of Judges chapter 7 when Gideon won a great and glorious victory over the Midianites. Powerful, wonderful story in Judges chapter 7. For every battle of the warriors is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. How many of you passing through life's journey are getting weary of the noise, the battle noise, weary of the injuries and the scars and your blood-stained clothing from those battles? But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. You know what that means? It means at the end of the war, at the end of the battle, the soldiers scarred and bloodied and dirty, rolled in blood, tired of the noise. When the battle was done, they took those garments off and they threw them in the fire and they burned them for warmth and as a sign that the battle was over. This is the promise of the Messiah. This is the promise. And there it is, the money verse, chapter, verse six, excuse me. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, say it with me, Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated this morning as you clap your hands and worship God. Bless you, Lord, bless you, Lord, bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. We've been here a while this morning, and if it's okay with you, I might take just a little while longer to share this message with you. I want to speak to you today about the Christmas spirit, something that we hear often throughout the course of our time in this, in this particular period of the year, the Christmas spirit. And you've heard me say it here before. In Pentecost, as an apostolic, every single day should be Christmas Day for you. Every day is Christmas. We celebrate the Messiah and what he brought 
in his birth every day of our lives. We hear a lot this time of year about the Christmas spirit, the Christmas spirit. We should have the Christmas spirit. How many believe that we should have the Christmas spirit every day? Or should we wait till December, first week of December, to suddenly be nice to people and, and, and not, not be mean to people that we deal with in the world and, 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 and be angry with traffic and angry when we're shopping? How, how many believe we should be that way every day? We should have that Christmas spirit. I want to talk to you about the Christmas spirit today. Brother Meyer pointed it out last week, I believe, in his message when he talked about the synoptic gospels. There's only two of the synoptic gospels that really covered in detail the birth of Jesus in, in this Christmas story, and it's the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. And many people believe, and, and it is a, is a custom, that the story, the Christmas story, begins with Joseph and Mary as she's about to have the baby. But I want to challenge you today, and I want to take you to Luke chapter 1. I want to challenge you that the, the story does not start with Mary or Joseph or the angel or, or even the baby Jesus. The story starts with a priest named Zacharias. Now, the first part of Luke chapter 1, Zacharias is a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. His wife Elizabeth is a descendant of Aaron, Moses' brother, the Levite. And so Zacharias is one of, it's, it's, it's estimated at this time in history that the temple in Jerusalem that's there before the Romans destroyed, of course, there's somewhere near 20,000 priests. 20,000 priests serving in the temple. And every day the priests had a job, but there were certain jobs that they, they were so desired, there was such an honor, such an incredible thing to be able to do that they cast lots for these certain roles. Now one of those roles of the three priests that had a daily job was to burn incense at the golden altar in the holy place in the temple, that place that faced the holy of holies, the very place that God rested. Now, to burn incense, scripturally speaking, in the Bible, incense burning is a representation of prayer. Anywhere you see that where they're burning incense, it creates that smoke, it creates that atmosphere. It's a time of prayer. And so Zacharias, by wonderful chance, wins by a lot the opportunity to go in and to burn the incense at the golden altar. Now, Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth were good people. They were righteous people. They honored God, but Elizabeth was barren. Now, they had been married, okay, and I'm not going to get real graphic, but they'd been married, and they had been intimate with one another, and that is how they knew that she was barren. She could not conceive a child. And at that time, this was a shame, it was a shame upon them, and, and it was very hard to bear. So Zacharias is chosen by Lot, and this is a once-in-a-lifetime shot, by the way. He'll never have this opportunity again. Now, folks, I'm, I, I want to start to build this picture for you. Zacharias is a priest in the house of God. We are a royal priesthood, according to Second Peter. Zacharias is you. Elizabeth is you. Once in a lifetime, he had this opportunity to go into the, into the house of God and burn this incense. And his job was to be there to pray before God at the incense of the golden altar. And then he would come out. He would step out into the steps of the, alt, of the, of the temple. And there were many, many Israelites would gather together at this time in the morning. And they would wait for him to come out. And he would lead them in a specific prayer. And he would guide them through that. That was their custom. And so Zacharias goes into the temple. In verse 11, 
He's in there doing his job, and he's, he, this is a great and tremendous honor. Like I said, he'll never have this opportunity again. Can I just say, folks, we have to treat this every single time we walk into this house. When we come into the temple to burn our incense and give God our prayer, this could be the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that we can connect with him, that we can get the message from him, we can get the direction for him. Perhaps we walk out of the temple and we never walk in again. Tomorrow was not guaranteed for us, only today. You understand? And so he's there doing his work and he's inside the temple. Verse 11 says this. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Clearly, one of the things he was praying for, aside from untold things he was praying for the, the nation of Israel and for, for God's guidance, etc. Clearly, one of the things he was praying for was that his wife would bear a son. And then the angel says something very strange. He says, and you shall call his name John. Now, the tradition at this time would say that the child would be named Zacharias or of a family name. But he tells him to call him John. And you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many thought that the only time the Holy Ghost was poured out on this planet was on the day of Pentecost? So this is a bewilderment, I'm sure, to Zacharias, that his wife is going to bear a son, that he has to name him John. And that God is promising to fill him with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit. Even from his mother's womb, it's not even going to happen after he's born. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now listen to that. He's a priest in the house, Zacharias. God is speaking to him. Giving, the angel is speaking to him, the word of the Lord. And, and promising he'll have this child will be filled with the Holy Ghost and will lead many to the Lord. Are you hearing me? And he'll go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now you realize when the angel is speaking this to a man of Israel, when you say that, I'm, that my son is going to go forth into the world with the power and the spirit of Elijah, you're saying a tremendously significant thing. Elijah is looked, at, looked upon in Israel as this great and powerful prophet. He did amazing and awesome things by the hand and the power of God. He was simply almost said that your son is going to be nearly equal with the prophet Elijah in his power to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Because see, part of the Christmas spirit is also that you're also John. You're Zacharias. You're Elizabeth. And you're John. Verse 18 says, And Zacharias said to the angel, Now listen to his attitude. Now how shall I know this? And he says, For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And listen to the angel when he replies. And he says, The angel answered and said to him, Well, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. 
old man, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. In other words, hey, pal, you're getting a word from the Lord here. You might want to listen. Folks, when you're getting a word from the Lord, he doesn't want to hear, well, I'm too old to do that. Well, I'm not capable to do that. I don't understand how to do that process. If you're getting a word from the Lord, the Lord's standing there saying, I am the Lord. I can give you that understanding. I can give you that ability. Part of the Christmas spirit is to say that I can. If God says it, I can. If he's got it for me to do, I can and I will. That's the Christmas spirit. But behold, now listen to what the angel says because of his doubt, almost snarkiness. The angel says, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. So he casts Zacharias mute, makes him dumb. Do you think there's a possibility that God shut Zacharias up because he was worried that his doubt and his negativity over this plan that was about to come would spread to others, would poison the well, that negativity and naysaying toward his plans were going to be ill-spoken of, were going to be challenged, were going to be doubted. Folks, I think we all can understand that we can impact other people's faith and willingness to do by what we're challenged and what we believe we're willing to do. If I can't do it, nobody else can. If it's not what I think it should be, well, everyone else should agree with me. But God had a different plan, and so he clammed Zacharias up. We gotta be careful. So Zacharias comes out of the temple like he's supposed to, and everybody's you know, assuming that that he's going to now give this benediction, this prayer, and he begins wildly gesturing. He's, he's, he can't talk, and he's trying to sign language and describe this. I can't wait to see how that comes out. <laughs> there it is. All right. So Zacharias can't speak, and so he's gesturing wildly. He's trying to use sign language. And, uh, but it, but, and they figure something big has happened in there. And uh, so anyway, he has, to, he has to leave them and go back to the house. Now, he goes back to his normal life. He goes back to doing what husbands and wives do in certain times. And, and guess what? Elizabeth conceives a, a son, as God promised. But she keeps it to herself, keeps it quiet for about five months or so. She's being in humility. Now, after that, verse 26, Gabriel then goes to Mary. Now we can bring in the traditional couple. It says in verse 26, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now Joseph and Mary live in Nazareth. Nazareth is completely an unremarkable place. As a matter of fact, it's remote. It's probably 15 miles from from the, uh, from the Sea of Galilee, it's about six miles even to the nearest road. I know some of you have been to Israel, you've gone out, and maybe you've had a chance to go and look out there. I've heard it's, it's overrun with, with uh, Muslims or something, but uh, maybe they don't let you in there anymore. Uh, 
but there's no good water supply there. It's, it's very remote. Uh, it's a very humble place. How many of us did God find in a very unremarkable place, in a dry place, far from the sea, far from civilization, but that's where he found us, in a humble place. But after this, Jesus would always and forever be known as Jesus of Nazareth because of the humility that it represents. It's a beautiful thing. So Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Now the word betrothed there is a very specific selection of words. There's a three-step process in the, Jewish wedding, in the Jewish wedding organization. I think it's important to understand this. The first step is that they're engaged. And this is a, actually a formal agreement that's brought together by the fathers, Joseph's father and Mary's father, and they got together and said, okay, these kids are engaged. The second step is the betrothal. This is a ceremony where there are mutual promises made, promises of... of of love and promises of, of uh, total commitment between Mary and Joseph. And then finally, the marriage, which is approximately about a year later, and the marriage is consummated at a time, it's brought together at a time that is completely unexpected of the bride. That's the model that Jesus gave us for the church because we are the bride. And he will come at a time that is unexpected. And he does expect us to be pure, a virgin church, meaning not worshiping or spending time with other gods. We're betrothed to him. We're betrothed to Jesus Christ to not worship any other gods above him at all. That's the symbol and the work that God has given us, the, the image that he's given us. Brother Meyer, you quoted here just a little while ago, Revelations chapter twenty-two, seventeen: the spirit and the bride will say come when it's time for that marriage supper to happen. So, when a couple was betrothed, they were not married yet, but under obligations of faithfulness to one another. God is calling us to a place of this. See, the Christmas spirit is, you're Zacharias. You are Elizabeth. You're John. But you're also Joseph and Mary. Our betrothal is set. Jesus made his promise to us. It's an obligation of faithfulness to remain pure for him, ready to meet him when he comes, Whatever the case may be, as long as it takes, we've got to hang in there. We've got to stick in there. We've got to stay pure. We've got to continue to focus on him. We've got to keep him as our God first. We've got to be willing, like Zacharias wasn't, to listen and say, yes, I believe you, God. That's the call that you're putting on me. I believe that it can be done because you said it can be done. Because when he does come in an unexpected time, he's going to expect us to be ready. No man knows the day or the hour. He comes as a thief in the night, the Bible says. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, in the last trump, the trumpet will sound. In verse 28, we see where Gabriel meets Mary. It says, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Mary was very humble. He was lifting her up. He was calling her this anointed one, this this blessed one, highly favored of the Lord. But do you know that God looks at you and he sees each one of those characters and this is how he regards you as his children. You are highly favored of the Lord. You are blessed among his people and you are with, he is with you at all times. 
Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary knew exactly what Gabriel was talking about because she knew the word. She knew her training, her upbringing. She knew what Gabriel was talking about was from the book of Isaiah chapter 7. In verse 14 it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Verse 34 goes on to say, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Obviously, many of you know and understand that that term in Scripture has to do with intimacy, the word know. Well, we have an intimacy that God will speak at the time of judgment. The same word know is used at the place where he looks at some and says, Depart from me that work iniquity, for I knew you not. He's speaking of a spiritual intimacy. He didn't know some at that point. He cast them out. He's not aware of who they are. They'll profess, we did many, many wonderful, great works in your name. We've cast out demons and done all these great things. We listened to Christian radio in our house, and, and we had bumper stickers on our car, and we came to church a few times a month, and we did some cool things with the food pantry or, or some sort of a special giving thing. But he's going to profess to them that I knew you not. Because they had not a love for the word. They were doing what they wanted to do. They were running the religion the way they wanted it. There was no intimate relationship there. So Mary is talking about that same, no, I did not know a man. I have not had this time with my husband. And the angel answered to her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now notice it does not say he will become the Son of God because he is the eternal God, manifest in flesh. 1 Timothy 3 and 16, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifest in the flesh and justified in the spirit, and so on. He is the God that was with and is, excuse me, was with and is the word, and the word made flesh in John 1 and 1 and 14. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He was not to become the son of God. He is the son of God. He is the flesh of God. He is God robed in the flesh. Now that term overshadow in that scripture references the consuming cloud or a cloud. In many examples, the term overshadow is used throughout the word and it's, it talks about this cloud of glory, or the Shekinah glory cloud that filled the temple, the same cloud that appeared when Jesus was speaking to the apostles before he ascended into heaven in a cloud of glory, that overshadowing. So this takes out this sort of crude idea of this aspect of of Mary and the Holy Ghost overshadowing her and then she conceived the son. It was the glory of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And once again, there's a type and shadow there for us, folks. We are not meant to be barren. We are meant to be fruitful and multiply. 
We are meant to believe in ourselves that the work that he can do in us can reach other people. See, the mission, the Christmas spirit, is really about the mission that God gave us to do, whatever the role was, whether we're Zacharias or whether we're Elizabeth or whether we're the baby John or whatever the case may be. It's about believing. It's about believing that because the name Jesus, and I said it from the very beginning, God moved on me to dwell on the name Jesus because from the very beginning, the idea was that if you have Jesus within you, and many of you do, if not most of you, if you have Jesus within you, you have the ability to beat down that barrenness and to get out there and reach this world and make an impact on the people that are around you. You can do it. You can do it. You can reach somebody. Your words can center into the heart of someone who needs God desperately. For those of you who have relegated yourselves to the idea that it's never going to happen through me, that I can't ever possibly reach somebody. No one's going to want to listen to me. It's a lie from the enemy. Because from the very beginning, from the beginning of this salvation message, from the beginning of the message of Christ, it was about you. It was about you. Nothing is impossible with him. Verse 38 goes on to say, Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. She humbles herself again. Now listen to what she says, folks. You gotta take this on. You gotta take this in your heart. She humbles herself. Behold the maidservant. What she's saying is, God, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. How many of us are willing to break our own wills, our own ideas of how this thing should operate, our own ideas of how this goes? Well, that's for other people to do. I, I'm not the preacher type. I'm not the minister type. I'm not the testimony given type. How many of us are willing to break our will and stand before God and say, behold, your servant, let it be according to me. In Jesus' name. That's the Christmas spirit. That's the Christmas spirit. God didn't force himself on Mary. He didn't force her against his will. But in great humility, understanding the great work that's about to be done in her, she simply just said, let it be to me according to your will. Are we saying that today? Are we talking to God that way in our daily lives? Do we get up in the morning and say, God, your will today. Whatever you guide and direct me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Do we understand how much she modeled what we should be doing for God? the great work that he can do in every single one of you. Imagine if everyone in this room, I'm guessing there's probably 170 maybe, maybe I'm high, maybe it's 100, I don't know. But if every single one of us believed like Mary did, and we said, God, let it be to, to me your will, and we reached one soul. You can give gifts, you can give presents, you can smile at the lady at Starbucks, you can drop some money in the, a little red can. Those things are wonderful. The Christmas spirit is a great idea. It's a wonderful thing, and I'm glad that secular society at least propels it a little bit further during this time of the year. But with the Christmas spirit, 365 days a year, what could we do to this world? What could we do to this kingdom? What could we do to this community? How about your family members? your moms and your dads, brothers and sisters. 
sons and daughters. What could we do? Look at the similarities between God's work in Mary and what he does with us. He lived in Mary physically. He lives in us spiritually. He was made visible to the world through Mary physically, but people see him through us spiritually, don't they? We bear him in our hearts. She bore him in her womb. We're also Mary. Verse 39 says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was immediately filled with the Holy Spirit. Here we go again. There's just something about that Holy Spirit. That Christmas spirit is tied to this message. There's something about that. One miraculous birth process going to visit another miraculous birth process. Verse 42 says, Then then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's already recognizing what's happening. She already has the insight. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Elizabeth got it right away. The Lord steps into her room in in the form of a baby in a womb, and John leaps inside her, and she's filled with the Holy Ghost immediately. That's the Christmas spirit, by the way. That Holy Ghost, that Acts 2.38... That's the Christmas spirit. 46, as Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Isn't that interesting? God has ascribed the title of Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and his holy is his name. And his mercy is those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Awesome. Now here's where Jesus comes in. Remember I said the story doesn't really start with him. But he's in here. The book of Matthew, and I'm going to speak in a couple of weeks. I'm going to speak to you. I have a message that God has been preparing in my heart for for quite a while, thinking about this Christmas season. And I'm going to speak to you about Christmas's forgiving. And I'm going to talk to you about the book of Matthew a little bit further. But I'd like to read that story recount right now to tie this message together. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Can I just say, did everybody catch that? Can I just say that Mary is found pregnant of the Holy Ghost? All right, because if there's anyone in the room that believes of three distinct separate persons in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, we have a problem. Because now Jesus is the son of the Holy Ghost. If there are three separate and distinct persons. 
Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. This would have been the proper thing to do. He was confused. He didn't understand. His wife, whom he'd never been with intimately, is now pregnant. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus literally means God, our salvation. Now, our, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord of the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and thou shalt bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now Isaiah didn't say that part. He said the name Emmanuel, but Matthew took it a step further and actually interpreted it for us. Again, referencing Isaiah 7 and 14. John 4 and 24 says that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's the Christmas spirit that he's talking about. It's the Christmas spirit, and you can stand this morning as I'm closing. It's the Christmas spirit that is meant to drive us. It was the Christmas spirit was work at all, all that time. You see, as the end of the story goes, eventually, John the Baptist, as we come to know him, John was born, and Zacharias knew that the instruction that he had from the angel Gabriel was to name him John. And so when the baby was born and the family was around and everybody was gathered together, they were waiting for him to declare him this name Zacharias. And, and, and Elizabeth said, no, 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 we're not going to call him Zacharias. We're going to call him John. Because that's what the angel told her as well. So now Zacharias has been mute for a few months. That's got to be rough. And so as this begins to happen, he regains his speech and he says, no, we're naming him John. He obeyed. He said, okay, God, your will be done. And so they named the baby John. And as we know, the Bible says that he'd be filled with the Holy Ghost. Isaiah chapter 9 and 6 one more time says this. For unto us a child is born, and to unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. You know what that means? That means in the millennial reign, he will govern all. It will sit on his shoulders, and he'll own the whole thing. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. He is the Christmas spirit. And it's for every day for everyone, we need to seek it, we need to speak it, and we need to live it every single day. My call to you this morning is the altar is open. Can I just ask you, can I just ask you this one thing? I am irrelevant. This is insignificant, as I said at the beginning, compared to what God was doing in this place. When God's power moves, when that spirit moves and it's filling you and it's filling others around you and you're using it and you're, you're listening to God and he's working in your life through the spirit, if you're allowing him to anoint you, if you're allowing him to use you in ministry, that's what really matters. The foolishness of preaching is important, yes. We have to teach and we have to instruct, don't we, Brother Steve? But it's insignificant in relation to what God can do. This isn't about who your pastor is. It's not about what word is spoken here necessarily, but it's about that we have the Christmas spirit, that we're united together, one spirit, for one purpose, to take this thing forward. 
happens in here and all the things that we do interworking with one another is irrelevant and insignificant if we don't have the Christmas spirit every single day of our lives. Altars open this morning. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.